0: Um, I am assuming that you're as excited as I am about baptism weekend. Yes? Yes? Uh, we are bringing in for a landing the series, There Is One, and I get to share with you on the one spirit. And one thing I can tell you is that he is always in our midst when we gather like this. But isn't it cool to see him at work like this? To see him literally touch a life and then respond. That's always going on. We don't just always pop out of our seats, right? So what I'll say from my own experience is that uh, growing up as a kid, we went to several different churches, and so by the time I landed at CTK at age 19, I had what I'm gonna call a hodgepodge understanding of the Holy Spirit. I had been taught a bunch of different things, some of which I understood, and some of which were just kinda weird, actually. Uh, And I had had a set of experiences I couldn't always make sense of. And so honestly, what I did is I just decided I'm going to develop my relationship with God the Father, with Jesus, his Son, and that, I don't know. I just, I don't know. (laughs) I'm a back burner, that. And that was a loss for me that I didn't come to understand until well into my 30s, when God opened a door for me and some people showed me how to walk through, and I was able to experience and relate to the Holy Spirit himself. So... I want to acknowledge that all of us have questions about who God is and about the Trinity. I also want to acknowledge that you may have very little information about the Holy Spirit, or you may have a lot of information, some of which you don't know what to do with. But we're going to dive into what are the basic foundational things that we want uh, you to understand about who the Spirit is and about why he was sent. So, I'm going to ask you to actually look at a familiar passage with me in John 3. This is actually the beginning of the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, the part that comes before, For God So Loved the World. And I want you to notice how Nicodemus interacts with each of the members of the Trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can follow along with me on screen or in your Bible. It says Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God, for no one could do the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Right? Speaking of weird. Nicodemus asked, Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. You see, Nicodemus knew a lot about God the Father. He was really religious, super important guy at his church, devoted his whole life to following God by following the rules. And then he comes face to face with Jesus, the Son of God himself. And Nicodemus, you heard him say it, he recognizes that Jesus is from God, but at this point he doesn't yet know that Jesus is God. And interestingly, Jesus doesn't jump in right there to his confusion and help him understand who he is and why he's been sent. He chooses to start by describing the Holy Spirit. And twice, Jesus stresses the point that to see and enter the kingdom of God, his reality, we must be born again of the Spirit. I mean, you gotta feel for Nicodemus, right? He's the expert in the law. He's the one with the answers who's usually doing the teaching. But Jesus' words leave him confused and curious. His Old Testament understanding of God's spirit can't make sense of what Jesus is saying or what he's exactly being invited to. And if we're honest, I think most of us have questions, things we don't understand about God, which is another reason we need the Holy Spirit in our lives but we'll get to that in just a bit. In all fairness, I should point out that Nicodemus isn't dense. This conversation he's having is actually one of the first hints Jesus gives that he's come to permanently change how we relate to God. He is the Messiah. He is the promised savior who's come and God's spirit will no longer be reserved only for special people at special times for certain special purposes. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are all given the chance to be brought back into relationship with God and to receive the Holy Spirit. Does that sound like good news to anyone besides me? That is a very real promise that changes kind of everything. So then Jesus drops another pretty good hint that things are changing when he says to his disciples in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, if you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Did you catch that? The good gift our Heavenly Father is giving is the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus, as he's beginning to prepare to leave his disciples, to leave earth, return to heaven, he says pretty much the same thing in John 16. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, the advocate, which is the Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's a promise. So here's my question to you this morning Do you know how to receive this gift? Are you able to recognize the Holy Spirit and his work in your life? I'm afraid in church we don't teach as much or model as often what it means to relate to the Holy Spirit, which is why a lot of us are more familiar and more comfortable with God the Father and Jesus his Son. Like Nicodemus, we're confused about what it means to be born of the Spirit, and so we miss out on the ways we're meant to relate to him as God's good gift of himself. We could spend a year preaching just on the Holy Spirit and not come to the end of all that is revealed about him in Scripture. But the honest truth is, we're never going to completely understand the Trinity this side of heaven. It's inevitable. Our faith has to leave some room for mystery because we are finite humans trying to understand an infinite God. That's going to create a gap, and we have to be okay leaving that gap. Right? If you need a God that fits in a box, he's going to be very uncooperative. I hate to tell you. But I also don't want you to forget what, Nick, what Jesus told Nicodemus. Everyone, he said, everyone who's born again can hear the Spirit, even if we can't necessarily see or even describe his comings and goings. As I prepared this message, God kept bringing me back to how I learned to recognize and respond to the Holy Spirit. It was from other people, who knew him well, and could show me how to recognize him in my life and how to move towards him and practice tuning in so I could experience his presence as the good gift it was intended to be. So today, I'd like you to hear from a few friends of mine, men and women I respect who are born of the Spirit and have followed him and walked with him for decades. You know, this is one real drawback of a church our size. This big room limits the number of people that you get to hear from on a week-to-week basis, but make no mistake, wonderful God stories are being written in the lives all around you, and there is a lot you can learn from each other about who God is. So I reached out to six or seven friends, and I asked them two simple questions. What have you been taught about the Holy Spirit, and who is he in your life? and I'd like your permission to share their answers with you. The first friend said, he's a comforter that provides solace, security, peace, tranquility. He's always present in my conscience, that still, small voice, helping me make choices, decisions, guiding my steps, conversations, and thoughts. Holy Spirit is who I feel with me moment to moment. In my early Christian years, says the next friend, I was not taught a lot about the Holy Spirit other than he exists, but he is such an important part of a person's life after they accept Jesus as Savior. He gives us insight into God's word and is there for everything going on in our lives. I hope that their answers and their experiences, you guys, will help you come to see the specific and the significant role that God plays in our, that the Holy Spirit plays in our relationship with God. The next friend says, Growing up, the Holy Spirit wasn't mentioned a lot in sermons, but I learned that he lives in all believers and always directs our attention to Jesus. In my own study of the Bible, I've learned he's a person who lives inside me, comforts, guides, reveals the truth of God's word and the work of Jesus. He gives me peace and speaks to me. I'm so thankful Jesus sent him to come alongside and help. Another friend said, I don't remember being taught much at all about the Holy Spirit, and so I didn't acknowledge him in my day-to-day life that much. I knew he was in me and would never leave me, but the older I get, the more I'm aware of the importance of being obedient to his impressions. I pray to him, especially when needing help, and it's so wonderful to know he's praying for me all the time. He desires to counsel, to draw me closer to Jesus, direct my steps, and often brings scripture to mind. You know, we can find the themes that each of these folks are touching on in the Bible. That's how we know they're true. But have you noticed that they aren't describing some kind of concept or, or generic spiritual force? They're actually describing a comforter, a guide, a teacher that they all know personally, that they have a unique relationship with. The next friend said, I come from a church background where I was taught that the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues, and since I never did, I figured there was something wrong with me. But thank you, Lord, I now know that his Holy Spirit is in me, and I pray daily, asking him to infuse me and others with his guiding insight and love for God and his word. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit intercedes for me when I don't know what to pray for. Another man got straight to the point. I like this. I can tell when my life is not evidencing the fruit of the Spirit, and that lets me know God is not on in control of my life. When that happens, I stop, ask God to forgive me, and invite the Spirit to take over again. Listen to this picture my last friend shared. He said, I've learned that the Holy Spirit is God, one of the Trinity, and always present in me. The Spirit gives me the power to live for Jesus and to overcome. He leads me in worship and gives me hope. One of the most important things I've learned is that we can constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like a full pitcher of water, the presence of the Spirit lives in us who believe and have submitted to Jesus. But he also desires to continue pouring his Spirit more and more into our lives until we overflow and impact those around us. So even though we can't see the Spirit... And like the wind, he isn't easy to pin down. I hope my friends have painted you a clearer picture of who he is. And before I cover just a couple of the many reasons he has been sent to us, I need to make sure that you understand something very clearly. The power and presence my friends and I have experienced is not for the few, not for the special, not reserved for pastors or monks or the super spiritual. The Spirit was given to all who believe. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter how long you've followed Jesus, the Spirit lives within you. And because the Holy Spirit is God, the Father's good gift is really the gift of himself with us always. We only need to receive him, to turn towards him and tune in, And that is one of the main reasons we've been sent the Holy Spirit. He was given to help us grow closer to God. But here's where this gets a little tricky. You see, some of us misunderstand our relationship with God in that we think it's all up to us, right? I've got to, I should have, I shouldn't have, I need to. If I don't, God won't. The list goes on and on. And none of that kind of striving brings us any closer to God, does it? In fact, it drives a wedge between us and God. It's an absolute myth that we could ever earn one small bit of what God's already freely given us. Long before you chose God, God chose you. So in some ways, it is all him. It reminds me though of one of my favorite quotes by Dallas Willard. He says, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. So we also have to acknowledge that some of us have relinquished the whole relationship to god we believe that because he's in control that just means he does it all and i kind of sit here and watch and i hope it goes well and friends that does not lead to the new life we are promised in christ because god wants to be with us god wants to do life together god is inviting us to partner with him not watch And I have to say, he's not going to force you to do anything. He waits for our yes. And he loves you too much to do it all for you because then he knows you wouldn't grow into the wonderful person he knows you to be. So whether your default tends towards the passive or towards the striving, God calls us back to himself, to be with him. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us do that so god through his spirit is always the initiator and our role is to respond our yes is what god wants from us just that our yes our willingness our humility to follow like any relationship though you get out what you put in seek me with all your heart god says in jeremiah 29:13. seek me and you will find me it's a promise But what does that actually look like, to seek God? Well, let me ask you this. How much time in your schedule does God get your full attention? Just think back over the last week. How much time is his? Are you looking for him in your day-to-day life? There he is. Oh, that was him. Oh, I see you, Lord. Oh, there you are. Are you looking to find him in your everyday comings and goings? I mean, if you want God to speak to you, can I ask, how much time do you spend listening? If I'm super honest, I was a Christian for like 30 years, and I did absolutely 100% of the talking when I prayed. Blah, 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 blah. amen. Why didn't he answer? When would he have said anything? That was all me. So how much time that you consider prayer time are you listening instead of talking? I mean, I have to assume that, like me, you have questions for God. I have a thousand. I want to know more about him. I want to ask him things about people in my life, about the circumstances around me, about this crazy world we live in. I have a lot of questions. But I have learned that to seek him means I actually have to ask him those questions. I actually have to bring those to him and then wait around for an answer like I expect one. I want to share three wonderful promises packed into just a couple verses about the Holy Spirit that hopefully create some anticipation or at least curiosity in you of what's possible where the Spirit is concerned. In the book of John, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither knows him or sees him, but you know him. For he lives within you and will be with you. And when he comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He will speak not on his own. He will speak only what he hears and will tell you what is yet to come. Did you catch all three of those promises? They're rather large. He promises that the Holy Spirit lives in each of us, helps us hear God, and guides us into all truth. I think that's what some of us are longing for, When we feel alone or unsure of what to do, it really comes back to believing that the Spirit of God will do just what Jesus said he would, be with us and guide us and help us here. I mean, isn't that reassuring to know this isn't all up to you, that God has sent help? I think some of us just haven't had the chance to enjoy this type of back-and-forth conversation with God because we need someone to show us how to tune in to the Holy Spirit. So let me give you an analogy. Let's try this on for size, see if it helps. Think of a radio as a way to understand the Spirit's role in our communication with God. God is speaking to us, you guys, all the time. Right now, he is speaking to you. Like radio waves washing over us, day in and day out, he is speaking. But without a radio, we're unable to pick up the signal. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, our radio, so we can receive those messages. Now if you're sitting there wondering why you don't hear from the Lord like my friends described, is it possible that it's because you are not yet born again of the Spirit? If you haven't yet surrendered your life to Christ, I want you to know you are one decision away from receiving the Spirit. But if you do have your own relationship with God, I also want you to consider if it's possible that maybe just the volume's turned way down on your radio. Would you like to know how to turn it back up? How to bring in the signal clearer? Seek the Lord with all your heart. Set aside time to be with him. Listen and expect him to answer. The promises that I just read you from John are for all of us, no exceptions. You know how I know that? For the last several years, I've had the privilege of teaching a class around here called Hearing God and it has given me the sacred privilege to watch hundreds of CTKers learn how to better recognize the many ways that God is speaking to them. It is a delight. The class specifically focuses on how we hear God through his written word, the Bible, in combination with hearing his spoken word through the Holy Spirit. Just like others did for me, I now get to walk people through what centuries of Christians have referred to as the ways of listening or contemplative prayer. And we go through a lot of questions that are common to almost all of us. How do I know it's God? What if I'm not hearing anything? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Those are very common questions that I find almost everyone asks along this journey. So I would welcome you and your questions right on into that room because what I know is that if you show up, God does too, every time, every time. And the best part of this class is actually taking that time, set aside Monday evenings, as a place, a safe place, to practice hearing the still, small voice of God for yourself in new and fresh ways. No matter how long you've known Jesus, there's always new conversations he's longing to have with you and more ways you could experience his presence and his power in your life. By the way, if some of this sounds a little, let's say, out of your comfort zone, I wanna reassure you that the Holy Spirit always meets you where you are and starts to help you hear the Lord at first in the ways that are most natural and easiest for you. And then as you keep seeking and learning, you'll discover other ways to connect with God. So this is my personal invitation to join us for Hearing God starting May 9th. I also want you to know that we did something a little different this time. We didn't want the class to run into July, so we're adding a Saturday workshop. And what I'm going to do that morning is actually go through one of the topics God most wants to talk about, and that is the freedom found through forgiveness. So if you aren't able to join us for the entire class, just know you are absolutely welcome to join us for that Saturday. But remember, whether it's the class or it's your own time at home, if you set aside time and you choose to listen, he will, he will speak to you. And we are here to help you learn how to tune into that. There's so much more I could say, you guys, about how the Holy Spirit helps us each as believers grow closer to God. But since we are baptizing new believers into the body of Christ this morning, I think it's really important we also talk about how the Spirit is at work among us. If we've done you a disservice here at CTK, it's that we've focused too much on the individual gospel to the exclusion of our collective story. But here's why. We know there are always people here and listening online who don't yet know Jesus for themselves. And our heart is to keep God's invitation to personal relationship front and center because all the goodness of God begins there right there when we surrender our lives to christ but the moment we're born again god becomes our father and we're adopted into his family we don't just start a relationship with god we inherit an entire spiritual family like it or not you're stuck with us we come with the deal i want you to remember ephesians 4 our anchor passage for this series one body it says one spirit one hope one lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Your relationship with God is both intensely personal and part of the bigger kingdom story of his body as a whole. The Holy Spirit dwells in each of us and in our midst. To understand the fullness of our identity in Christ, We need to experience the spirit in both. Ephesians 2.22 puts it this way. In Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are being built together to house something unique an expression of the Holy Spirit, his presence. So until we find and accept our part in the shared calling of his church, we're missing a whole part of our life in Christ our spiritual identity remains incomplete until we discover our place in the family of God. Do you believe that? Do you know that each one of you, without exception, has a part to play in God's work in this world? Every single one of you. And that part plays out within the context of the local church where he's placed you. You aren't here by accident. You aren't. God is busy around this place, and if he brought you here, it's because he knows we need you. Years ago, I quit dreaming up ministries and then going around trying to talk people into being part of them. What I do instead is ask God to show me what he's already up to, and then give me eyes to see which one of you he has uniquely gifted to partner up with him to make that happen. When we all play our parts, we get to see God's will being done, his kingdom coming, and his spirit mightily on the move, doing something he could only do through us. It isn't just the individual. So I want to ask you a question. Do you know why you're here? Do you? Some of you do. I serve alongside you, and I'm thankful for you. As your community outreach pastor, I can tell you that it matters a whole lot to Whatcom County that you seek the Lord and figure that out. If you do, it's going to impact the homeless, families without childcare, the poor, the hungry, the lost, the lonely, your neighbor, my neighbor, If you don't know what your part in the kingdom is to play, start asking the spirit to guide you into all truth and tell you what is yet to come. That is a conversation he'd love to have. I also want you to know that playing your part in this family matters to the people about to get baptized. Many of them are brand new Christians. Who's going to raise them in the faith? Who's going to teach them the ways of God? Who's going to love and support them through all the highs and lows of life? You know, they say it takes a village, and people of Christ the King Community Church, we are their spiritual village. So it matters that all of us discover and obediently play our part in God's family. First Peter 4:10 in the Living Bible translation says, "God has given each of you special abilities, be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings." Just like we experience the Spirit's presence both individually and collectively, baptism is both a personal step of obedience and a shared experience as they join the body of Christ, this family of faith.